Welcome to the ACFCS Financial Crimecast, a briefing featuring the latest news, analysis, and guidance from across the financial crime spectrum. I'm Brian Spoda-Kindle with ACFCS, and on this episode of the Financial Crimecast, we're exploring the explosive popularity and rise of generative AI. It's been about a year since uh, ChatGPT launched for public consumption, and in that time, generative AI has created a world of opportunity for consumers and businesses alike. More organizations have explored ways to rapidly deploy Gen AI tools, and financial institutions are among those, uh, embracing certain Gen AI technologies, even in compliance functions like AML and fraud, where hopefully some of you out there are beginning to experience the Gen AI effect for better outcomes. However, there's also the dark side to this new technology and a lot of concerns around Gen AI adding fuel to the fraud and scams fire in particular. So what is the potential impact of this emerging tech? Will Gen AI develop a new breed of criminal or can it be harnessed effectively to detect and prevent uh, attacks on banks and other financial institutions. To get some perspectives and some answers from a real expert in this space, I am speaking with Charmaine Simmons. She is the financial crime and compliance expert with Symphony AI Sensa Net Reveal. And together, we're going to explore the potential of these innovative technologies to improve the fight against financial crime and examine the impact of Gen AI on the delicate balance between human and machine. Well, Charmaine, thank you so much for being here on the ACFCS Financial Crimecast. It's a real pleasure having you join us. Um, and I'm very excited to have this conversation on generative AI, very timely topic, um, and very much something I think a lot of our audience and the wider financial crime community are kind of struggling with in terms of how to use it and how uh, it will be used against them. So uh, excited to have you here, and uh, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. If you don't mind just starting out by telling uh, the folks out there a little bit about your background in this space um, and your your financial crime uh, expertise, which I know is, uh, is in abundance. So uh, let's start there. Let's uh, talk a little bit about your background. Sounds great. So my name is Charmaine Simmons. I am a financial crime and compliance expert uh, at Symphony AI Sensor Net Reveal. I've really been in this sort of technology space for probably the last, you know, five or so years, um, having come from quite a long uh, career in investment banking, working across uh, London and New York in um, various risk departments and divisions, sort of really looking across multiple areas of risk, not only sort of financial crime, fraud, but operational risk, you know, looking at, at internal controls, those types of things. So I sort of bring, I guess, my ex-practitioner knowledge to how we look at helping to improve the technology solutions that are offered to financial institutions in helping manage um, anti-financial crime. And if I was to say a little bit about sort of um, the company, um, Symphony AI Sense Net Reveal um, used to be the old BAE systems. And we were sort of acquired um, about a year ago. And um, we're quite fortunate that um, Symphony AI um, company has a lot of AI expertise. 
um, really across the different sort of company divisions that that operate across from retail, from what we see in healthcare, what we see in sort of um, some of the other sort of commodities um, areas. And we're actually able to take a lot of those learnings to be able to um, inject and infuse how we um, innovate within the financial crime um, end-to-end sort of AML compliance and fraud suite. So it's really an exciting time for us as um, a company that's had, you know, 20 plus years really of experience in tackling financial crime, but being able to elevate that with something that's actually quite exciting, quite innovative in how we um, look to better detect and better prevent um, various aspects of um, illicit activity and crime and suspicion um, in the world of financial services. Yeah, it's a great time to uh, for a very timely uh, uh, acquisition, uh, right? Time to be acquired by an AI company, right? Because AI is the word on everyone's lips these days. Uh, we've been we've had quite a bit of conversation about AI and generative AI in particular, but sometimes I think uh, it's not necessarily defined or clarified what you know people are talking about so maybe it makes sense to start the conversation uh with that point you know just first off what is generative ai and why is it such a hot topic you know both in the financial crime space and in the uh, the popular culture more broadly yeah no it's good to sort of level set on what we mean by generative ai i would say generative ai or gen ai is as you'll hear a lot of people refer to it It's really a category of AI techniques that generate sort of new um, and original data and content. The underlying sort of principle behind Gen AI is that it uses large language models. And more recently, um, it's starting to use large action models as well to learn the patterns um, and structures of existing data and then to use that knowledge that it's just learned and ongoing learnings in order to create that new data and that new content and even to go to the level of suggesting new actions that you should take after, you know, you've you've done one particular piece of information or you've had one particular, um, you know, content created there. It can offer you a next suggestion for what next to do. And I think that's quite, it's quite a sort of a, a evolution, I think, in terms of what we're seeing with AI and the traditional AI machine learning that we've, we're, we're sort of probably more accustomed to over the, you know, the last decade or so. And I would say that the, you know, most people are probably very familiar with Gen, a, Gen AI tools such as uh, ChatGTP, I would say BARD, um, Midjourney, you know, Answer the Public, you've got Microsoft's AI and Designer out there. There's sort of a wrath of, you know, plugins that can um, hook into these types of tools and other sites to really extend that sort of search capability or generate, you know, create functionality. And I'd be surprised if, um, you know, when you said what is it, I guess why is it why is it such a hot topic? I'd be surprised if anybody hadn't heard of it. And um, I think that the catalyst really in this in this process is really ChatGTP's sort of popularity that sort of you know stormed into um, into our lives in in December of last year. Um, it, it's 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 something that's really starting to. I guess, evolve, I would say, since December um, with so many different tools that are available. The interesting part about sort of generative AI, though, is it actually sort of started to be developed back in, like if you take ChatGTP, for example, it was actually, you know, started back in about 2018 in terms of how to actually build some of those large language models and how to sit there and scrape across the internet and things like that. 
And after sort of years and years of that machine learning, that launch that we saw in, in December, I think in the first sort of five days, it had something like a million users that signed in to um, look at it and, and want to sort of test it out. By the time it got to about September, I think they'd hit something like 100 million users. And I think, you know, even so now we're seeing more upwards of sort of 170, 175 million active users using that site. And that sort of that gives you a, an indicator of the scale and the growth sort of popularity of what we're seeing in this type of innovation. And I guess it's also down to its, its ease of use. It's pretty easy to either do a verbal command or type the way you would normally, um, you know, type a question in and get very succinct type answers back from it um, in the most general sort of sense of sense of the way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that the explosive growth that you're highlighting emphasizes the ease of use of this product and, you know, the natural language capabilities of it are just pretty, uh, pretty intuitive as a user. And I remember, uh, when ChatGPT became publicly available a few months back now, you know, the, I, I, tr I was playing around with it and I thought, uh, maybe this is just me, but I thought, you know, I wonder what it can do in terms of, uh, generating uh, fake documents, right? So I asked it for some some tax forms that might be used at onboarding. Um, I asked it for some common, you know, KYC, CDD type of documents that are collected by financial institutions, and it was able to spit some out. They weren't perfect. They were round dollar figures, and, you know, some things were off about them. But uh, that immediately, you know, uh, made me wonder uh, how bad actors could use these tools, right? They are popular, they are intuitive, uh, they're very versatile. So are bad actors using generative AI for, you know, fraudulent purposes? Um, can they generate, you know, the kind of fake content that I was generating, probably more sophisticated, uh, uh, in a more sophisticated way? Uh, any thoughts on, you know, the, the dark side of generative AI, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, as you've just said, you've tested it out. You tried to see what kind of results you could get out of it. So it almost seems like the natural response there is to say, yeah, I think pretty much criminals and those that work in sophisticated organised crime groups have certainly tried it out. And not only have they tried it out, but they are using it today. They're using it for multiple sort of um, reasons um, to help sort of evade their money-making schemes. I would say that if we were trying to understand how exactly they're using it, there's a lot of antidotal evidence out there at the moment that sort of indicates that they're using it. But at the moment, unless we've got something that um, is sort of reporting it out and being able to quantify it, it makes it a little bit harder to um, get some, you know, metrics and some statistics out there in order to really quantify what it actually means. So... <sighs> I would, you sort of said it before as well. You said you said the word fraud. And I think I'm going to pick up on that, that word and that sort of explore that a little bit more with you. You know, deep, deep fakes, um, you know, document, um, identity documents that are being created fake, voice hijackings, any of those types of impersonation type um, is one of probably the most prevalent areas where we have seen things being reported. Um, and it's all for really the purpose of fraud at the moment that, that we're seeing most of that come out. It is leading to a lot of things like account takeovers. We're seeing things around ransom attacks, um, forced payments. 
they're being used all because of that sort of content that has been generated. And, you know, it even goes down to absolutely perfectly crafted, you know, emails and text messages that you're seeing through social platforms at the moment as ways to scam particular individuals and give those sort of bad actors a way to perpetrate their crimes much, much, much more easily than what they have in the past. Um, might be helpful I could give an example here. One that's probably been, been um, most sort of talked about I won't share the ones that haven't been talked about because I think we shouldn't be sharing some of those types of um, knowledge and bad practices um, to the wider community. But I would say sort of insurance claims is probably one area that um, has seen a lot of um, uptake in this particular area. And if we look at an example around, say, vehicle insurance, you know, here we've seen criminals use it to uh, create um, fake vehicle damage, you know, images, photos and things. They've used it also to create fake quotes. Um, as well as even the actual um, repair invoices themselves, all just as, as a means to, um, you know, fraudulently put an insurance claim in and collect money out of it. So many sort of, you know, financial institutions, I would say at the moment, are starting to become more and more aware of criminals, criminal use of Gen AI to sort of circumvent what um, processes and controls happen um, at a banking level. But where there's a slight sort of mismatch there is where the criminals are really sort of accelerating ahead and become, becoming very creative in how they're using it. A lot of the financial institutions are not sort of flexing, I guess, their approaches enough or adjusting their systems quick enough in order to identify it and be able to catch it and prevent it from reoccurring. And like I said, there's some of those sort of reporting and those metrics. I think as those things become better and more available, I think they will help sort of with quantifying the numbers and I suspect, you know, they'll, they'll likely want to be able to invest a bit more into it. But I don't want to really leave that on a, on, a, on a negative note. What I would say in a more sort of like positive way is that a lot of the, the uh, financial institutions that we speak to um, in, you know, the last six months, the last year, a lot of them are really starting to um, look for more innovative ways that they can really harness, I guess, the power of AI um, and certainly generative AI as part of sort of their next, you know, tech stack upgrade or their next move for what they want to be able to do um, to help, you know, benefit their organisation from things like fraud, um, having to pay back on reimbursement, um, you know, claims, um, as well as just sort of, you know, ensuring that they are keeping the money laundering, um, you know, down to, to the bare minimum and they are detecting what they can. But it's not just, I guess, with AI mind that we're saying this. They're also looking at a bit more of the sort of combined power, a bit more of sort of more of the traditional sort of AI, what we're seeing around, um, you know, um, things like supervised and unsupervised um, learning models um, in order to help them improve some of the areas they're looking at, as well as then bringing in the Gen AI aspect to help sort of um, step up their, their overall approach in, in what they're doing around um, investigations or sanctions detection and sanctions evasions, those types of things. It's a great point that there is generative AI, but then there's you know a whole other wider world of AI solutions um, and machine learning and you know various subsets of this, this topic that have been in place for a while and uh, will continue to be an important part of the conversation. Um, but I, I think it's a, I think it's a really interesting you know case example that you brought up on the the insurance fraud side, um, and it, in a lot of ways it's 
you know, points to to the wider issue with um, the use of generative AI and other emerging tech by by financial criminals. That this isn't this isn't new, right? It's classic fraud schemes that are just being better enabled by AI tools. In this case, generative AI and the ability to create fake documents very rapidly and more convincingly. You know, you don't need any expertise or industry knowledge to roll this out now. Uh, so. It seems like there's really a need for kind of a multifaceted response to this. Um, you need technology. You also need potentially, you know, awareness on the staff, potentially the customer side. What are some of the ways that we can respond? You know, you mentioned the the bad actors are moving more quickly than we are. What are some uh, potentially effective responses to to to, to at least uh, get a couple of uh, steps caught up with them, if not uh, get out ahead of them, which is probably a pipe dream. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think you sort of you sort of captured a little part of what I would say in response to that. It's sort of that reactive motion as opposed to being so far behind. We need to get much quicker at reacting, preventing. Um, but in order to do that, we need to get much uh, further ahead in how we're detecting it to stop it in the first place. So what we're really talking about here is sort of, I guess, the misuse um, of Gen AI by bad actors in, in, in this sort of instance. And I think there's a number of measures that can be taken. And I think they probably fall across a few different categories. So the first one I would sit there and say at the moment is probably on the regulation, the guidance side. It is a bit unfortunate that I am starting there and that we need to be able to rely on regulation to curb such type of misuse. Though if you look at how many incidents that we're aware of around sort of like deep fake use or say chatbot misinformation or maybe it's unethical, you know, content generation, um, it, this is where we're at today though. Um, so things like some of the artificial intelligence acts, some of them are draft at the moment, um, you know, we see them coming out um, across Europe where, you know, the US is is moving in that direction and, and Canada also. They're all looking to really create a framework and, and put some boundaries um, around sort of AI in general, including Gen AI. And what's really interesting here is that a lot of the regulation that we are seeing is, is multi-industry, multi-sector laws. And I think that applies equally um, to how financial institutions and, say, an AML and compliance and a fraud function would look at it as it would to, say, a manufacturing company or in the healthcare industry or even if you were doing, like, art and music. So it's going to be an, inter an interesting interpretation for where that sort of um, regulatory um, boundary sits and where the guidance is going to be needed to help financial institutions um, be able to... Um, sit within the bounds of supervisory um, expectations. And I think that a lot of the regulation that we're looking at is probably coming out to sort of develop and implement really the ethical side of what's being used. So in this case, it's being used for misuse to create crime, but it can also be used in other unethical ways as well. And I think those guidelines um, really need to be developed by a variety of stakeholders. So people like the policymakers that um, we we're talking about sitting in sort of parliamentary groups and, and, and things like that. But as well as researchers, you know, developers, businesses, you know, banks, they should all have, um, you know, a bit of a seat at the table in terms of how those of sort of ethical guidance um, can really be referenced for um, not only sort of, uh, I guess, what bad looks like, but also for what good like, looks like. Because I think that will help highlight 
where some of those potential risks are around AI misuse um, and, and other ways that can really be, be mitigated. If I went on to sort of like a second area, I'd say, I'd say um, education would have to be the next area that we'd look at. Educating sort of the public um, as well as business employees in this context, if we think about how, at, you know, AI and Gen AI can be used at an enterprise level, um, they really need to be able to properly sort of grasp and understand what those potential risks are and what the benefits are of AI and why that is so important for their organisation or for themselves to protect their own um, selves from becoming victims. Um, this will probably help be a bit more vigilant. It'll also help to report any of that type of suspicious activity. And that sort of goes back to that point I was making earlier around sort of metrics and being able to quantify um, where it's being used for misuse. And I think it will also make people just a bit more um, aware of sort of that unintended consequences that can arise, um, you know, such as how can you spot, you know, perhaps a scam um, before you fall a victim to it, or if you're if you're looking at um, similar patterns that you've detected of what's going on, only to work out that it's part of sort of more of an organised crime group that um, is you know, laundering money at rapid speeds throughout your bank and perhaps other um, banking entities as well, um, peer banks. So that sort of education part's really important. Um, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. You said technology. And I think the technology and the software and that sort of security, that cyber security side, is also another sort of category that, that we need to be, um, you know, upping our understanding um, and implementation of. I, I would say at the enterprise level, this becomes more important to be able to spot where sort of um, this type of activity is being used, whether it's, say, like a, a cyber attack on a bank or, um, you know, something that's very sort of frequent out of character or, or, or behavioural patterns of things that don't seem to match up with what the normal sort of risk profile is of, of a particular, um, you know, entity or customer. Those types of things that start to emerge are going to um, allow some of those AI solutions to detect um, when we see that in a faster and easier manner, but they're also going to be allow us to, you know, detect it when AI is actually being used to perpetrate some of that at the same time. So that's another way that we can sort of catch out um, individuals in, in that context. And I, I'd probably add one more in terms of a category to think about here. Um, and that would be about, I say, collaboration. Collaboration is one of those areas that's not new. We've been talking about it for a while. But if we're looking more into the future of how we look at anti-financial crime, I think Collaboration between, you know, law enforcement agencies, definitely technology providers, um, you know, financial institutions, all of that's going to be needed to really stay ahead of some of those evolving threats. And I guess what would become a necessary part of how we work generally going, going forward in order to keep pace with criminals and their tactics and, and how they're exploiting different parts of AI, particularly as AI and Gen AI is evolving at such a fast rate, you know, all of those sort of vulner vulnerabilities are things that we'll need to be able to keep on top of. So, you know, a lot of that sort of data sharing, working together, I think will um, actually go a long way in, in helping to sort of weed out those bad actors. Yeah, fantastic points. And I think the, the collaborative uh, aspect of this is, is critically important. Um, 
you know, it's been a theme, as you mentioned, across financial crime compliance for a while now. But, you know, anytime we have a new uh, a new challenge in this case, uh, you know, the potential uh, risk, fraud risk, financial crime risk from emerging tech, there's a new opportunity to, to do better and be more collaborative against it. Uh, and that, that leads me to my next question, which is, and you know, we've we've alluded to this before, but yeah, it's not all bad news, right? There's some very encouraging applications using various forms of AI, generative and otherwise, um, at financial crime compliance programs currently, whether that's AML fraud, what have you. So, you know, how can you use generative AI and maybe AI more broadly to to counter bad actors in this space? Yeah, great question. And you're right, there is a positive side to the fact that it is being misused. So I'd say, you know, of course, the answer here is yes, you know, gen AI and and AI in general can definitely be used as I guess a defense mechanism against bad actors. Um, You know, this sort of technology can really go in two ways, it can be used for good, and it can be used for bad. When we're concentrating on how it can be used for good, I think there's probably two um, I'd say powerful use cases that would support sort of the financial crime detection space. And I think they really fall into sort of AI model improvement and uh, augmented intelligence. So the way that we're using AI to support humans um, in processes and, and activities that they're already doing in this particular fin crime space. So I guess what do I mean by that? Well, on the AI model improvement side, That's really about taking, you know, the open source AI models that are out there today, so things like we already know about for ChatGTP, and creating sort of sector-specific models which are trained to know specifically about the domain of, you know, financial crime, anti-money laundering, fraud. In doing this, the Gen AI large language models learn more specifically about situations. They learn the type of data that, you know, we ingest and we're looking at. They'll learn patterns and behaviours that are related to financial crimes. And most importantly, they'll start looking and understanding and learning more and more about what good looks like and therefore what also bad looks like in order to highlight that and and bring that to the surface to um, different, you know, um, AML and fraud professionals. This type of, I guess, foundational model learning and then that further sort of training in a specific institution on their own data is really key to making a lot of this work as a defence mechanism to detect money laundering and fraud attempts. It's also probably, um, you know, capable of helping us to learn how to triage information as well. So when we talk about, you know, aspects of, say, alerts or things that actually come up um, through patterns of behavioural detection, that sort of triaging of the information and grouping of items together can actually be used to, um, you know, help uh, work out the the priority order of, of um, normal versus unnormal um, activity that can actually be looked at. And it should just make it easier for, um, you know, the humans, the investigators, the analysts, those types of people to actually move through that particular process and, and uh, uncover where true suspicion really is, as opposed to all of those sort of false positives that pop up. But, you know, one interesting thing that I think here is that when Gen AI is actually being used, how can you use Gen AI to detect Gen AI when it's being used in this type of an instance, say, in, in, a, in a financial crime? 
And I think that's a really sort of interesting point. And, and you know, strides are being made in this particular area. And I'd, I'd say it probably being most closely um, learnings in this space has really come from what we've seen um, from ChatGTP plagiarism. So it's what's been happening out in sort of the university world and things like that where they're, they're copying, you know, content uh, or putting, you know, questions in and, and, and plagiarising um, other piece, people's work. Well, in that sort of context, um, you know, they're using AI content checkers to scan bodies of text, basically determine whether or not they've been produced by a chatbot or by you know, a human. And also same mechanisms are now being explored in the financial crime space as well to detect where sort of gen AI output um, in AML and fraud could be used, you know, um, to detect where it has actually been um, pulled in and, and used by for by criminals in, in these particular instances. Now, this kind of stuff is very, you know, embryonic. It's still in, very much in its infancy. But the, if you look at how we've watched gen ai technology sort of evolve and really ramp up its pace in let's say the last you know nine ten eleven months it's sure that this technology will sort of mature over over the coming year and i think it's just something that we need to be a little bit aware of um, and mindful as 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 we go through the um the second part if i was to move to that that i talked about before i said you know, augmented intelligence, I think was the phrase I, I called it. Um, I think that's also a really interesting, you know, one to talk about. Here's where we see, you know, chatbots or, or digital workers to support analysts and investigators in the process as they move through um, an end-to-end, -end, you know, version of, uh, of an AML program. And really these digital workers are there to sort of help, you know, gather information, you know, they'll collect data points, they might even, you know, scrape parts of the internet if you're looking for external type of content. They will also look to connect to internal data points of some of your, um, say, company data stores. And they'll basically be able to surface all of that information, um, you know, in a, in a very concise and easy, easily digestible manner for um, basically a human, an analyst or an investigator to, um, to look at. You know, it, the reason I sort of talk talk about it as augmented intelligence as opposed to artificial intelligence is that, you know, it's not really artificially created in, in, in these types of instances where we're using um, specifically designed um, foundational models and AI that's trained on those for financial crime, you know, they become a lot more succinct in how they pull up the relevant information um, about a particular subject and they're just able to make, you know, um, information um, collations a lot simpler and be able to make better informed decisions off the back of it. So, you know, it even goes down to the, the extent of um, generating case notes and narratives, you know, almost like writing suspicious activity reports or suspicious transaction reports. And it, it can also even learn at that particular pace of what your company style is of writing, how you tend to use certain pieces of ter terminology, how you want to structure and format these particular piece of, um, of, of narratives that are written. So I think that's a really sort of, you know, powerful um, way to augment how we currently work, but still keeping really the human in the loop. Um, it's actually something that, you know, we at Symphony AI Sense Net Reveal have actually been um, working on and, and we've released a product in this particular space. Um, the product's actually called Sensor Investigation Hub. So right now, it is available for transaction monitoring as part of the AML process. And it's it's there to sort of assist, you know, investigators 
to work those alerts and, and cases in a much more effective and efficient manner. And to date, we've actually seen some really good, very surprising results actually um, come from it with accelerated investigations um, that are up to 70% more efficient. Um, they're seeing better crafted narratives in case notes and, and reportings. Um, and we're also, you know, with the help of sort of advanced visualisation and explainability tools, we're seeing a lot more sort of consistent audible results that are demonstrating compliance um, at a much sort of higher um, quality rate than what we have seen um, in the past or how existing processes are working. So I think it's something that's kind of almost, you know, something you want to see um, in order just to, to really believe what, what, we're, what I've just said. It's, I mean, I've described conceptually what it is, but um, seeing it actually work is actually, um, is actually quite impressive. Yeah, and I love the the point you made about keeping the human in the loop and about the overall approach to, you know, how to implement these AI technologies, right? Because this isn't about replacing a human being, right? Um, or, or you know, taking control away from investigators, per se. It's, it's empowering them to do the job better um, and providing, you know, tools, assistance, support, that type of thing. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of financial institutions are, are approaching it exactly like that. I think maybe not everyone, some people might see this and say, oh, so I can replace a, <laughs> a human. And I would, I would argue that, yeah, you, you might want to rethink the way you're structuring roles or that type of thing, but rather than use it as a human replacement, use it as a uh, human, human empowerment, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's very much a sort of an augmentation play, I would say. And if you if you if you are getting some really good sort of efficiency and effectiveness gains in that space, then those resources can be deployed into other other ways of how you look at risk. Because if you look at the trajectory of um, how trans how many transactions sort of flow through institutions today, it's only going up and up, which means you know, there's still a huge volume to work through um, in terms of how you actually do, you know, screening and filtering and, and understanding who your customers are. You know, people tend to, after, you know, big incidents that have happened in economic times, they don't have just one bank account, they have multiple bank accounts, or they'll apply for small, you know, mortgages or, or loans in different, you know, institutions based on rates and things that are going on. So, the number of account openings, the number of transactions we do and the way that we live our life now means that everything is very much, um, you know, electronic and much more transactional. So a lot of that, you know, is still going to be needed. People, we don't want to replace the people. We're, we're looking at how we sort of augment and make them better at what they actually do so that we can look for more of those riskier areas. But if I sort of go back to, you know, are we are we taking I guess you know control away from from the humans or, or the investigators in this time? You know, I would say you can't completely take the control away from the humans. Um, I just don't think it's advisable at this particular point in time. Maybe in the future, where where automation and things you know really kicks in, and we've really proved all the all the proof points that can possibly be done in terms of the positives and negatives, maybe that's more realistic. But right now, you know, using Gen AI to assist, you know, investigators and analysts in, in automating certain things of what they do and providing that sort of, you know, valuable insight that 
that human judgment that they can make the final call on and using their expertise and critical thinking, those are all still really crucial to um, understanding, you know, how some of the complex financial cases actually, um, you know, operate and work and how we get to the bottom of it. So, yeah, that human in the loop with the augmented intelligence there to assist, look, that, that's what we need. And even if I think about it from a regulatory standpoint, um, I think, you know, su- supervisory, you know, regulators would probably support that that approach. Um, you know, the, the concept of maybe full automation, I'm not sure if they would completely understand that and we'd be able to um, fully explain how decisions were made at, at, at every particular point um, of an AML or fraud end-to-end program. So, yeah, having that human in the loop certainly um, allows for that sort of, you know, feedback loop, um, even with what we're developing and, and continue to develop in this particular space. You know, we we place the human very much um, as a critical component in the ongoing learning of how um, the AI models um, work but also in terms of giving them information at their fingertips. So things like links that they have internally of information or or websites or even PDFs of where certain pieces of information came from, if it came from, say, something like a negative news, um, you know, feed. That sort of thing comes back down to sort of traceability and it really ensures that, you know, people um, are the ones that are making those final decisions and, and they're the ones helping to train sort of where the models are and how the models get better at, at learning in your organisation for your type of customers, for your type of risk, you know, appetite, how that all sort of comes together. Yeah, great points on that one. And, uh, you know, I think uh, we can, in some ways, I think we can, we can view this as a very exciting time, right? This is, uh, you know, it, a huge opportunity to take on a challenge that I think a lot of the investigators and analysts out there have uh, dealt with for years, which is, you know, sort of like hunting and pecking for information, putting things together, you know, the the routine manual tasks versus applying their, you know, brilliant investigative minds and human intuition. Now we have an opportunity to, to really, uh, you know, pour rocket fuel on that human intuition, so to speak. So, um there's always the challenge in any AI discussion, you know, around data security, data privacy, and you know, particularly look at jurisdictions that maybe a little bit more advanced on this, like uh, EU outside uh, outside of the U.S. Um, so, what about these concerns around personally identifying information? Um, you know, and there's there's a whole range of data security concerns around generative AI tools, but how does this enter into the conversation and when they're thinking through AI-related applications, how can financial institutions also be thinking through the data privacy and data security concerns? Yeah, really important area to, to consider. I would say banks should be looking to implement really robust data protection measures, um, really just to ensure the safety of personal sensitive information of their customers. Um, so that really means that they need to look at how they encrypt data, and that would be data that's in transit and at rest um, to help ensure that that information doesn't um, get leaked anywhere. Um, I would say there's also things around um, employee training when they're using Gen AI. Um, you know, things like you don't put certain pieces of personal information into a search that could go external. 
um, to your organization because you don't want some of that PII to get out there. You don't want some of that to be trained on some of those public facing um, models. Um, and also just, you know, training from your cybersecurity teams, the best practices that they're putting on board. There's a lot of, um, you know, AI developments as a whole that are going through, you know, multiple industry sectors, including all of financial services, not just sort of the fin crime AML space. So having that sort of training that comes from your InfoSec team and your um, your CyberSec team are actually really important to properly learn how to use the technology in the most um, safe way for your organisation. I'd say the last sort of area there would be things around, you know, strict access controls and sort of authentication mechanisms. Um, making sure that you have actually, you know, the right type of permissioning set up in the system itself, but also that you're doing, you know, regular security assessments and audits to um, monitor what's actually going on and if you need to course correct anything along the way. Um, you know, bigger concerns you, you sort of mentioned before around, you know, um, you said, you know, Europe, you said, you know, things like, I guess, GDPR is what you were thinking about. And perhaps, you know, in the US, you've got more so, you know, the California, you know, Consumer Privacy Act, those types of things. I think they're also really front and centre um, with how a lot of that sort of PII um, could be used in um, a negative way particularly against the institution and therefore violating those particular regulations. So a lot of these things really need to, need to come together um, across your organisation, not just in very much these silo patches to, to make the best benefit of keeping sort of personal sensitive information safe. Yeah, fantastic points. And yeah, definitely thinking about GDPR in California and some of the regs and uh in Canada as well uh, in that question. So, well, we are we're coming to the end of the conversation. It's been a fantastic uh, dialogue, Charmaine, and I, I really appreciate you having uh, this, uh, this dialogue with me and sharing your expertise and your insights. And I'll just close with this question. I know we have folks from all levels of, you know, potential uh, expertise and, and application of AI. And anytime we ask this question in like a webinar, for example, we get a whole range of responses. But, you know, it sounds like the technology is already there. Some institutions maybe already have projects, whether they're uh, in flight or, or, you know, pilots or just considering it. But, it, you know, generative AI technology sounds like it's something that financial institutions can use and maybe are using right now is that correct yes you are absolutely correct in saying that i think that the the gen ai technology that is available now um either banks are either uh, using their data science scientist teams now um to use it to develop something in-house or they're going to particular types of software vendors um and fintechs regtechs in order to um look at the various types of um you know, gen AI and AI capabilities that are available to them. On a, I guess on a on a on a more practical note, what I would say is that not all AI is created equal. And it is really up to you and your organization and the right types of stakeholders that you have in your business to understand some of the key things that you should be looking at in um, going down that AI journey. And that really comes down to like thorough governance making sure that you understand, um, you know, what success looks like for your organisation, how it meets your AI sort of strategy. 
but also going to um, particular vendors if, if you're not building in-house and really understanding, you know, how have they designed things? What do they put into their foundational models? How are they treating things like ethical bias, you know, reliable deployments, those types of things, the technology. You also need to be really, really mindful of what good looks like. And I say that from a model development perspective, but also the explainability mechanisms and those security mechanisms that we were just talking about. Um, those types of things are really, really important to, to understand up front. And the other sort of sides of things that you should be looking at as well or considering how you assess to um, achieve the best sort of um, success rate would be around the model development and, you know, the training of the data that you're using. You want to make sure that you've got some good quality data in order to use um, in your own institution to continue to learn on and continue to build up the knowledge of how those um, foundational models are operating. You want to be able to validate, you know, that, that, that model. So you should be doing sort of intensive testing for bias and hallucinations and those types of things. What has been interesting in some of the cases we've looked at is, um, you know, certain organisations have realised they already have bias in their, in their data already. And that's simply because of how they've actually offered some of their products or the type of, of information they're already storing. So they are trying to work out how to get around that particular aspect or, of it. Um, you know, the last sort of part I'd really caught out is sort of that transparency and that interpretability. You know, we said a little bit before that could you automate everything and would a regulator want to, you know, take that on and accept that? Chances are not. So you have to be able to look at how transparency and interpretability explainability has is worked into how the logic works and how you can represent that and have an effective um, audit trail um, at the end of the day to really understand what your AI is doing what type of decisions it's making and how it's really creating a positive impact for your organization at the end of the day excellent Thank you, Sherman. This has uh, been a, a delightful conversation. I'm sure we could keep this going for uh, another another hour or so, right? And you mentioned some points at the end there, like bias and hallucination and that type of thing. That could be a, the subject of an entirely different podcast, but uh, much to think about and uh, much to chew on uh, with this one here. So thank you so much for the uh the time and the expertise as mentioned it's been a, it's been a real pleasure and i think uh it's going to help a lot of the folks out there the institutions out there kind of navigate this 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 brave new world of uh generative ai and where it can empower and where it can where it can uh, generate risk so really appreciate it anytime thank you so much Excellent. Uh, again, my guest on this episode of the Financial Crime Cast has been Charmaine Simmons, uh, financial uh, crime and compliance expert with Symphony AI Sensa Net Reveal. Um, that company doing some fantastic work in the financial crime detection and prevention space related to artificial intelligence. Definitely urge you to learn more about them and urge you to tune in for another episode of the Financial Crimecast. We are available on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other place, places where your favorite podcasts live. So thanks for the time on this episode and look forward to having you join us for another. Bye for now, everyone.